Hi, and welcome to the Daring to Leap podcast. I'm your host, Lori Phillip. I am so excited to dive into this week's episode with you. This week, we have a special guest on the podcast. Kathy Murray is here. Kathy has such an inspiring story that it was made into an audible original book called The Munich Cowboy Cheerleaders. We discussed her leap from medical sales to making a bold move to move to Germany to pursue her passion in teaching fitness and how she ultimately ended up leading a German cheerleading squad to six national titles in cheerleading. Let's dive in. Kathy Murray is a certified professional trainer with over 30 years experience in the fitness industry. Kathy has owned her personal training business, Fit Bodies, for 24 years and in 2022 co-authored the audible book, The Munich Cowboy Cheerleaders, based on her time coaching the squad, where she coached them to win six national titles in cheerleading. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. I, so I'm so excited about this conversation with you because your background, your story, it's so, so compelling, so inspiring. And what we're trying to do with this podcast is elevate ourselves through listening to these impactful, empowering stories of women who have done some really courageous things. And so what I'd like to start with you is to hear a bit about, okay, well, before you started doing all of this stuff in the fitness world, mm -hmm. what were you doing before? Where did you start your career and how did that shift for you? Okay. Well, I started in right out of college. I kind of had a, some people call it a gap year. I mm -hmm. actually won a, fitness competition. At the time, it was called the Crystal Light National Aerobic Championship. I think it's called the United States Aerobic Championship now. So I entered that with my roommates. It was like our senior mm -hmm. year, our last thing to do. And we ended up winning. So we traveled around the United States, went to Japan representing Crystal Light and General Foods. And then after that, I thought, okay, I'm going to jump into my career. And uh, at that time, it was medical sales. I started in medical sales, started with a, a smaller company. Actually, it was it's ironic because it was a German company. And then I went, I went along to Abbott. And I, they had two divisions. They had a pharmaceuticals and they had diagnostics. So I was in the diagnostics field where I sold the chemistries for labs, and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that happened. I was in Ohio at the time, right? That's where I'm from. And then they transferred me to Pittsburgh, working there. And probably five years in, I knew that this was, you kind of look at that, what five years or what 10 mm -hmm. years like. I couldn't see past that because even though I liked the flexibility of medical sales, because I wasn't like an office person, it just was. I, I taught, I continued to, to teach um, fitness part-time. I was still taught in the, in the gyms and things like mm -hmm. that, but it just was not for me. And I really had a passion for fitness. I really love getting people fit. I love that, that teaching aspect of it. And I had a friend come to me who was teaching internationally who said, hey, we need American instructors to teach, be fitness educators overseas. and 
at this point, I'm in Pittsburgh. I'm miserable. Mm-hmm. And I decided, okay, she wanted me to go to Japan for a month. Of course, my my supervisor said, absolutely not. That's just way too long to be out of your territory. So I told her, if you have something for two weeks, I'm there. I, I could take vacation. So she had Italy and Germany. Mm-hmm. Left, did the two weeks there. I was remember I was a former aerobic champion. So I did a lot of master classes and, and taught all over. They had different fitness organizations there. And when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, that was just, I was just a new person. But mm-hmm. then I came back to sales <laughs> and it was like, wah, wah, wah. Reality sets <laughs> yeah. in. Oh, goodness. So I, one of the gyms that I taught at in Germany, they had American instructors. That, that instructor was leaving and they offered me, hey, come here. It's a six-month contract. You know, we, we obviously will pay you. You work at a gym there. Uh, we'll give you housing, you know, apartment. Um, and I just packed everything up. I, I told my parents, of course, they thought I was absolutely insane because I got my degree and yeah. medical sales and this is what you live for. And you have the stock options and the car and you're making great money. And it just was not for me. So I told them, what six months to go and see if this is the right thing. I love fitness. And that's kind of how I made that transition over to Germany. Yeah. So this opportunity came up and you had just had this experience overseas, getting your feet wet, doing mm-hmm. this kind of work, and you loved it. So when this opportunity came up, obviously your family and everybody was like, what? Yes. Was that enough? You were just like set on it at this point? Or were you still, was there some still underlying doubts or fears that you had to get through before you went ahead and decided to drop everything and, and move? I think the unhappiness that I was going through at the time, I think that kind of took over yeah. any fear. Because of course I didn't know Germany. Of course I've never been to Germany. I've been overseas, but I mean, I was with the championship in, in Japan. But so those thoughts jump into your mind. Why you don't know the language? How is it, it going to be? You have this perception of what Germany is. But I just thought, you're teaching fitness. <laughs> you know, how bad can it be? And so I had to convince my parents. My dad was, he's from the old school where you stay at your job, you get mm-hmm. your pension. You don't have to love what you do, but it's a job. My mother was a little bit more flexible. Okay, I'm not sure, but if this is what you want to do, you are working. (laughs) So let's just do it. So I I think the thought of this is what I want to do. I'm passionate about fitness and being unhappy was those were were the underlying things. And I said, I have to just go to to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. The unhappiness is a key for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Where it takes to that point where you really realize that although your career looks great on paper into right. friends and family, if you if you don't feel great or even good while you're doing it, that is a very clear sign of this is probably not your path. So you get to Germany. Tell me, tell me, tell me about the Munich Cowboys and how all of that came to be. Well, I had, I started uh, teaching at the clubs. I was hired as at that time, 
they were bringing over American instructors to teach Germans, Italians, the Europeans how to teach aerobics. Obviously, it started in the U.S., so they had certification programs. So I was teaching at the larger conventions, teaching instructors, and teaching classes at the the gyms. I did that for a while. One of the instructors, one of my students had come up to me after class one day and said, there's a lady here and she has a cheerleading team here. You know, obviously they heard that I had been a cheerleader all the way through college. I cheered for the Ohio State University and we won a national championship when I was there. So she said, I heard you were a cheerleader. And of course, she doesn't speak any any English. So they're translating. Yeah. And she asked me to, and I was still learning, <laughs> still, still learning German at the time. And she asked me to come to one of their practices. So they had an American football team there called the Munich Cowboys. And the, they cheered there uh, in the summer. They cheered in English. Uh, so I went by and I looked and I said, okay, they were girls. Wait, I had about 20, 15, 20 girls. They, they didn't have a school affiliation. So they were as young as 15, 16. And then I had uh, 20, 21. You know, so some, some of them were in school and some were working. And yeah, they were, they were doing the best they could with them with an American sport. And I thought, wow, they're a little, they're a little rough around the edges, but it was, you know, I was teaching fitness, which is great, but cheerleading also is one of my loves. So that's how that happened. I started uh, coaching them for their teams. And then they said, Hey, we have a championship. And that's kind of how that started, where I started doing the choreography for their, their championships. I had little to work with because at that time, they really, their level was pretty, pretty beginner. So we really had mm-hmm. to work on trust. This is what cheerleading is about. This is discipline that comes with it. This is the hard work. They were smoking. That was one of the first rules is no smoking at practice. So it was a complete fish out of water for me because it's like this is I had to teach them this is what cheerleaders are about this is what they do so that's kind of how I transitioned in uh, as I was still doing fitness but that's how I transferred uh, transitioned into uh, being their coach for the Munich Cowboys cheerleaders so how long were you coaching so you came in they were pretty beginners they didn't exactly know what they were they were smoking um And they wanted to go to the championship type competition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How did you take this group that you couldn't speak their language at the time to get them to trust, get them to mm-hmm. focus, get them to learn all the tools they needed to go and become champions? Well, the, it was interesting because the six month contract I extended for. Four more months. So now we're at 10 months. So the six months contract ended up being a five year uh, journey. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. So when they showed me the, the videotapes of the championships, I'm like, okay, they're trying. They're, they're imitating the American championships, which they, which they also had on tape, but they just were. They weren't very tight. So I think the trust was there because they were like, she's not only is she an an American and she's a cheerleader, but she has been on a championship team. So I had their trust there. Mm -hmm. It was just a matter of them, of teaching them 
we have to do a conditioning program because you guys aren't in shape. This is what you have to do. You have to be on time. You have to have set rules. Okay, three, three strikes, you're out. You have to audition to be on the championship team. It's not a given, even though they were going to all be on the team, but they didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So just thought that it meant of, something, right? Yes, the competition to to try out and and make it and be a part of that team. They had material and I choreographed and gave them new material with teaching them how to dance, teaching them who's going to stand on who, who's going to be a base, who's going to be a flyer. Okay, this isn't going to work. We're going to put you up there. And I had a lot of experience because I was cheering for an all-girls team in high school. And then when I went to college, all of a sudden I'm being thrown around by guys. So I know that fear of being a base and having everyone stand on you to now you're on the top. So mm-hmm. that fear and, and that trust level just kind of build, it just kept on building each time for them to say, okay, we're going to, if we don't get it, we're going to just stay here all night if we have to. That, that, that practice and practice, I had mantras every championship. I had, there's no I in team. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has to work together. I had another mantra, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So the girls that aren't that great, you have to bring them along and, and, and make them strong and encourage them too. Another mantra was pain is only temporary. Victory was, is forever. So when they're tired and they twisted their ankle and they had all these aches and pains, I told them that there is nothing, all that goes away when they announce your, your name for that trophy. Yeah. All of that just goes out the window. So we started with simple stuff, Ford Rolls. If you saw cartwheels, ba- I had it look aesthetically pleasing with the music and having them move around the floor. And then, okay, now we're going to tumble. Now we're going to do harder stunts. And so each championship, they just got better. I said, we, you guys have an American coach. When we go to the championship, they're going to be saying, what is Munich Cowboys doing? And we need to be on that level. So mm-hmm. that those are the type of things that I instilled with them. They, everyone wasn't happy. I mean, the ge- other German coaches, they were not happy because they thought I had, they had an advantage, which they had an advantage of me being an American coach, but they still had to do the work and, and we still had to build upon their, their skill level. Mm-hmm. So that How was long super- did it take you guys to get to to progress and, and, and win the championship? I'd say, I'd say probably two to three years. Mm-hmm. We, the first year, okay, you know, you have drops. That's another thing that you encourage them. If you drop or you do something, you have to get back up. You can't let it, let it rattle you. Then as our level picked up and they became a little bit tighter, we started to make waves again. And I talk about this in the book. I tell them, look, you, if you hit a perfect routine and we have the difficulty level above everyone else, we should win. And mm-hmm. sometimes that didn't happen. And it was obvious. So that was tough to teach them. Okay, so we got knocked down. We're going to come back so much better that it's going to be obvious that we were screwed in that last competition. So just getting them to dust themselves off. They're crying and I'm trying to be strong, even though I'm really upset because it's not their fault, but just to 
just say, we, we're going to come back and we're going to come back mm-hmm. bigger. So those mm-hmm. types of things, several years. And then we were kind of on a roll. We, we went to camps here in, in America and in Florida. They got their material. I incorporated that, incorporated that into their new championship. And we came in first and then the regionals and then the nationals. And then the, yeah, so it just, it was a fun, fun journey. Wow. What, what an accomplishment. Yeah, that is was, so cool. Thank you. Yeah. If you, was, yeah, if you think about it, like there's Kathy in medical sales and there's the same you teaching cheerleading squad how to be champions in Germany. Yeah. What, what a difference. That right? it, it was, it was quite. It was quite exciting. I mean, I had to learn the language. So they would mm-hmm. want to speak English. And I would say just, I need to mess up. Don't speak English to me because I'm trying to learn the German. And they, that your ear develops first. So they would speak to me in German. And then I would say, okay, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So then as I became more fluent, then I was able to actually speak back with them to German. So it was just, it was just a process. Yeah. I don't think you even, I even thought about it until I started writing the book on how that evolved. Right, right. I mean, there's so much there, including, you know, when we set out to do something we're passionate about, there is a bit there around that sometimes it feels like it's selfish a bit. You know, it's, it's for me. This is my passion. I want to do it. But the reality is, and you're a great example of this. You go out and you're doing your passion and it's spreading out and you impacted the lives of that team in ways that you probably couldn't even imagine when you started out, right? Is that right. how you feel about how it went? I think that I didn't realize as much that that as much as when I was writing the book and I reconnected with probably 12 of the girls and told them what I wanted to do. And we just, I'm like, you know, they were 16, 17. I was a lot younger. I was in my early thirties and I to just reminisce and talk about what their favorite things were, what they didn't like. And, and it was great. It was a great, because now they're like forties, moms, married professionals. And what really touched me is that some of those mantras they were using yeah. as adults, they were like, I have on my team and, and business, I tell them this mantra. And that was my family. These were my sisters. Mm-hmm. And it, I was excited about coming to, to practice. I tell my kids, look, dust yourself off, get back out there and practice. If, they're disappointed. So I did not really realize until I started writing the book that how much they listened and how much they had taken into adulthood. That is, that is so cool. And that's actually an, an interesting point around how you didn't realize that until you were in the process of writing your book. And, you know, I I think a lot of us don't really realize how impactful we can be with other people because we don't go take the next step and hear about what happened with them and what they're doing now and 
because it's this ripple effect. Whenever we have a positive impact on somebody, they go out and they're spreading that same kind of energy out as they move through their lives. And then all those girls, their kids are now hearing those mantras from their moms and they're going to go out. And so at the end of the day, when I started this topic and I said, sometimes when we feel like we follow our passion, it's selfish. At the end of the day, our ability to make a really big impact is so much greater when we're following something we care about, when we're following our passion, when we're actually doing our purpose, where you, I don't know, maybe you could have impacted people in medical sales. <laughs> I don't, think I don't know about this, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> And they were young. They were 16. Think about when you were 15, 16, what did you care about? A lot of them cared about boys. They were dating some of the guys on the team and just teenagers. They're emotional. So, and I was reminding them of that. The one she could, didn't want to come out to cheer because her boyfriend had just broke, her, broke up with her and she was in the locker room and I was trying to get her out. You know, those things. So you really, at that stage, you don't think that, that, that nothing's going, getting through. So that's what really shocked me and surprised me when they were very candid on what cheerleading meant to them. Some of them still started. One of the girls is still cheering. She's a coach and she, she coaches the Munich All-Stars. One girl started a, because we had to order the, the uh, uniforms at that time from America. She mm -hmm. started the, her, the, where they can get the pom-poms and the, the costumes. She started it in Europe. So they were like, we wouldn't have done this if we had not cheered. So those things were just so awesome to hear how much cheerleading had touched their life and, and as a coach, how much it meant to them. Mm -hmm. And if we could fast forward to today and mm -hmm. you're Kathy now <laughs> and you're looking back at... I'd love to hear what impact this had on you, this whole experience about what you're capable of, what is possible for you going through such a, a big stretch of experience mm -hmm. for yourself. What did you, what did you really learn from this? I think the biggest thing, well, there's, there are several. One, follow your passion and really don't let if, if that's if that's how you feel, don't let anything get in your way. I didn't let my parents get in the way. I went there. Things weren't all, it was a different culture. So there were so many things that I remember being in an apartment. I remember trying to get my first apartment. And as a African-American, my, my roommate was, was half German. So she was right. She was a journalist living in Munich. So she was helping me get, get an apartment. And we... That was back when you looked at the paper and <laughs> said, okay, this apartment's for free. It's free. Call them up. And she would call and say, hey, I have a friend. I'm coming over. And every time I showed up, they were like, no. And, and my, 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 my roommate, who obviously is half German and white, said, I just don't get it. She mm -hmm. just said on the phone that the apartment was, it was free to rent. And we show up. You know, this went on three or four times. Yeah. And I just said, when I show up, 
they're like, oh, this is who we're supposed to be? Absolutely not. So, you know, there's no discrimination laws or anything like that. And I finally actually got a student that was an attorney that had to help me get my apartment. So those types of things that we, there's a lot of things that, that you know, as Americans, um, I took for granted. And over there, it was just, it was a different, it was a different time. It was a different culture. But for me, failure wasn't an, wasn't an option. I did not want to go back to sales. I could, I had told my parents, okay, I have the safety net. I'll go back. But for me, it was like, I'm done. I'm going to, this is fitness is going to be it. I don't know what I want to do yet with it, but this is it. I started my personal training business over there. I just started in the uh, advertising in the uh, English speaking magazine, American trainer in Munich. I would go to people's houses. Wow. And that's how I started my personal training business. A, a friend of mine, she was a student who was married to a German, helped me do my logo. And I, so I learned a lot about business. I had to have contracts. I had to have them in German. I had to have them in English because I had Germans, Israeli, French. I had the United Nations of, of, of clients. So I had to know how to put my business together. And I just did it. And like I said, I was in my thirties then, and I had to kind of make it up as, as I went along. But that's when I look back, I think, wow, you're not wanting to, to fail here has pushed you to to stay. And, you know, there, that those things with the apartment and a lot of the, the racist things that happened, I thought, well, you choose to be here. So this is what you want to do. It's, it, you take it the good and you take the bad. So, yeah, yeah. That in and of itself could have sent you home, right? Like, exactly. I can't even get an apartment. So. You look back and you say, don't give up on your passion. Failure is not an option. And these are things, these are maybe they're mantras that you ended up holding on to that got you through it. Correct. And I have a great, another little, I have this on top of my, in front of my desk is if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So Mm -hmm. you have to be challenged sometimes for the bad, for it to, to change you for the better. So, and I went through a lot of challenges there, traveled a lot. I remember being in Slovenia and I missed the train and I didn't have any money. I didn't have their currency. When I look back, when I was writing a book, I thought, wow, you know, faith, it was a big thing. I, I was like, look, God doesn't have me here. He had me here for a reason, even though I'm going through all of this, I just have to suck it up and and do it. So just learning to travel on trains and just going to different countries. It just was such a great experience that I went through and and I I wouldn't have changed it for the world because it's made me the person I am today. Yes. Yes. It is. It is exactly what you're saying that in the challenges is where we see so much growth in ourselves. So much growth. As much as in the middle of it, we're like, oh, why am I dealing with this? (laughs) And we'd rather coast through life. But, you know, the coming out victorious through the challenge, that's the making of of epic movies and stories for a reason, right? Like, that's where you come forward and your best self shows up and makes it happen. And that's 
sounds like what you ended up instilling in these women to go become champions, cheerleaders again and again and again. And how many how many times did they win at the end of the day? Oh, wow. Well, once I left Germany and moved to Atlanta and I had my own fitness studio here, they continued to bring me back for three years. I, I, I kept on going back. I do the choreography. One of the, the manager had a condo in, I think, Florida. So I would meet some of the girls there, map out, here's the new music and that type of thing. But I do have to pause and give my co-author kudos because if it wasn't for her, Martha Hall Kelly, she's a, a multi New York Times bestseller. She writes historical fiction. She's the Lilac Girls, Lost yeah. Roses. So she was writing Lilac Girls at the time. And as a personal trainer, obviously you are a therapist also. So she would always tell me about her shop, shopping this book and trying to get an agent. So when Audible came to her in probably 2020, 2021, Audible said, hey, we want you to write a Audible original, a novella, short story on Audible. And she's the one that said, your story is so compelling from when you live, lived in Munich mm-hmm. that I think I should, we should pitch it. And so, yes, we pitched it and then we started. They thought it was a great story and we started co-writing. So she, I wouldn't, Munich Cowboys cheerleaders wouldn't exist if it, it wasn't for Martha Hall Kelly. Yeah, and it, it would have existed But there is so much value in being able to share it on a big platform, right? Yes. Like it would, it it, you impacted these women in Germany in their lives, and now that we can share the story and spread it, other people can get inspired to stretch themselves to see what's possible to make things happen, to follow their passions, like all these types of things, or even just be entertained. It's like, then <laughs> today we love yes. stories, right? Right, so that's true. It's, it, it's very cool that this story gets to be shared. And I want to thank, thank you. you for coming on to this podcast to share it. Thank you. And I think we're going to wrap up here. So okay. if you could um, share with our audience how they might connect with you and check out your work. Okay. The book is called The Munich Cowboys Cheerleaders, and it's available in Audible. And I encourage anyone that has not l- listened to an Audible book that it is, it's like being there with the narrators and everything. So it's on Audible on Amazon. And you can reach me. Uh, my website is fit-bodies, B-O-D-I-E-S dot net. And all my social media is there. And you can order the book as well uh, on my website. Thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your story, for being you, for coming on here. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, I would love for you to subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend. Hope you all have an amazing week. Until next time. Bye.